it's hard to believe, especially with the, 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 the craziness of the last few weeks, but we're in the 10th and final week of our ser- uh, sermon series that we've been doing called Summer on the Mount. We've been looking at the first recorded message of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And for the last 10 weeks, including today, we've been unpacking all of the different things that Jesus taught on that sermon a couple of thousand of years ago. If you're taking notes, here's a a little bit of a recap of some of the topics that we've covered during the Sermon on the Mount or Summer on the Mount series, some of the teachings of Jesus. Uh, We didn't cover all of these. We covered even, even additional topics, but here's just a quick outline. Jesus taught about anger. He talked about lust. He talked about divorce. He taught about anxiety. There's a lot of worry and anxiety in, in the, the day that we're living in. He talked about real faith and genuine salvation. He implored us to care for widows and to love our enemies. He taught us how we should treat people. He, he unpacked the importance of the disciplines of prayer and fasting. He challenged us to give to those in need. And again, this, this goes on and on and on and on. And then we kind of lay out a series. We feel like we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We lay out a series. We kind of list what the topics will be each week. And then a few weeks ago, I got hit with COVID. And it kind of threw the team in with a little bit of a loop. We flew our campus pastor from Maryland down, David Waldrop. He spoke two weeks ago. Last Sunday, my friend Bruce Steele. Didn't both of those gentlemen do a fantastic job, by the way? Come on, both. Thank you, guys. Talk about being ready in season and out. So they jumped in and kind of carried the responsibility And then when I recognize, okay, I'm going to be uh, well enough to return and I'm going to close out the series, I thought, there ain't much left. We've talked about a lot over those last nine weeks. And so I did tell the Lord, I feel like this is a chance for God just to speak a fresh word to my heart. And I believe every Sunday is a fresh word. But I said, okay, Lord, you knew what was going to happen before I knew what was going to happen. So what do you want to say to the church? And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing in front of you, I have heard from God. And I, I don't say that lightly. I believe that happens every week. But this week, I have heard from God. On Monday, I was captivated by two verses in Matthew chapter 7. These are the last two verses recorded in the entire Sermon on the Mount. So we begin in uh, Matthew 5, verse number 1. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He begins to teach. And then in Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29, it's over. The message is over. Jesus is in Matthew chapter 8, the very next chapter, the very next verse after verse 29 of Matthew 7 is Matthew 8, 1. Jesus is coming down the mountain. And I want you to see these two verses here, and I'll unpack what I believe God has shared with me to share with the church today. Here's what happens in verse 28. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Could you imagine, and I've thought about this a few times this past week, could you imagine being able to sit in attendance, listening to the Son of God teach the Scripture for the very first time. Like, wouldn't that just be, that would be powerful. So when Jesus is done teaching, the crowds, the Bible says, they were amazed at his teaching. And one of the reasons they were amazed, and here it is, is because he was teaching as one who had, let's say this word together, authority on the count of three. One, two, three, authority. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Let's try it again. This time, say it with some authority. Ready? One, two, three. Authority. So he was teaching as one who had authority and not as their scribes. He was teaching as somebody that carried an authority that 
usurped the authority of the religious teachers of that day. And the people were amazed at this. They were overwhelmed at the authority that Jesus possessed. Now authority, listen to me, authority is a beautiful thing. Now we don't live in a society that champions the idea of authority like maybe we once did, but authority is not just a good thing, authority is a God thing. God lays out for there to be authority in our lives and not to, to, to speak down to you, but regardless of who you are or where you're from or what position you have or title you hold or how much income you make or retirement or car you drive or house you live in or clout or pomp and circumstance and yada, yada, yada. At some point, we have all experienced the fact that we are under the authority of someone, whether that is under the authority of our parents or under the authority of our teachers. Thank God for teachers, by the way. Come on. We don't ever want to exempt you from the challenges of the last 18 months as well. If you ever played organized sports, you know that you're under the authority of a coach. Um, we've experienced being under legal authority or governmental authority. Don't get into conspiracy theories today. Just hear my heart, right? If you've ever worked a job and you've sat under someone, that boss was your authority figure, depending on your health status or situation. Maybe you've, you know, been diagnosed with something in the past. So you went to the advice of a medical authority to tell you what care and treatment you needed. For those of you that are here today, you've, you've understood the responsibility of spiritual authority and you've, you've allowed me access as your pastor or your shepherd or your spiritual tour guide, however you define my role in your life as a spiritual authority. And if you don't view me as such, your presence today does indicate you at least understand the ultimate spiritual authority, which is being under God's authority. Does that make sense? Now, again, culture has tried to devalue the importance of authority and we're raising up a generation, not trying to be critical, but just being honest, that doesn't respect authority, that doesn't uphold authority in any, in any level of any degree. And Isaiah actually, I don't wanna take this verse out of context, context, but Isaiah talked about this in Isaiah five, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. So if there are people that are telling you that there is no place for authoritative figures in your life today, woe to those individuals who would call something good evil. Authority, again, it's not on the TV for you to write down, but authority is beautiful, authority is good, and authority is from God. If you're with me so far, can I get an amen? So watch this verse again, watch this verse. He was teaching them as one who had authority and not just as another religious leader. And then the Sermon on the Mount is done. Watch this, the very next verse, the very next chapter, you move into Matthew chapter eight. And if I could define Matthew chapter eight, I would define it as this. It is the authority of Jesus on display. All in Matthew chapter eight, I, was, I couldn't read enough. I couldn't read fast enough this week as I watched as the Sermon on the Mount concludes, the people are amazed at the authority that Jesus preached with. And then watch this, the very next page, the very next chapter, the very next verse, the Bible says Jesus comes down from the mountain. 
He's coming down from the mountain. He had spent three days, 72 hours unpacking all of the internal and external beliefs and behaviors of a disciple of Christ. He comes down off the mountain, large crowds follow him and watch this. And immediately there was a man with leprosy. And I can only imagine, and again, just let me paint just with your uh, uh, image here uh, of a paintbrush in your mind's eye, that this man with leprosy was too sick to get on top of the mountain to hear Jesus preached. But for three days, he probably waited for anticipation for Jesus to come down off the mountain so that Jesus and the authority that God gave Jesus could be demonstrated in this sick man's life. Watch, there was a man with leprosy came to him, bowed before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And watch what Jesus does. Jesus with authority, with authority, he reached out his hand and he touched him. And Jesus said, it is a good day for you because I'm in a great mood and I'm willing. I am willing. Be clean. And the Bible doesn't say it took a few minutes. The Bible doesn't say it took a few hours. The Bible says that because of the authority of Jesus, when Jesus reached out and touched him immediately, the sick man became well. Go a few more verses here. Same chapter, chapter number eight. You get to verses 14 and 15. Jesus goes to the home of Simon Peter. There, Simon's Peter, mother, his mother-in-law. She's sick with a fever, right? She's laying in bed. And what does Jesus do? Jesus demonstrates his authority. He's not just preaching with authority. He's living out the authority that comes from God. And he uses his authority. He touches her hand. The fever leaves her immediately. And then just, just like any healthy mother-in-law, she gets up and starts cooking and cleaning. You see that? The authority of Jesus on display. A few verses later, are you with me so far? Watch this. A few verses later, Jesus and the disciples, they get into a boat, right? They get out on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden, a, a, a Category 5 hurricane shows up on the Sea of Galilee. It develops out of nowhere, and the sea becomes overwhelming, and the boat is being consumed by the winds and by the waves. But Jesus, what does the Bible say? Jesus is asleep on the back of the boat with his head on a posturepedic pillow. And all of a sudden, the disciples, they come to him and they wake him up frantically, one version says, and they scream out, Jesus, Lord, you got to save us. We are going to die. And Jesus says to them, watch, he says, why are you so afraid? Why do you have such little faith? And then he got up and with authority, with authority, he doesn't rebuke the men of little faith. He rebukes the winds and he rebukes the waves. And in that moment of authority, when Jesus rebuked the weather, the Bible says that it became perfectly calm. And here's the verse here that's just so overwhelming to me. And the men were what? Amazed. They were amazed at the authority that he possessed. And what did they say? What kind of man? What kind of man is this? Who is this that possesses this kind of authority that even the winds and the waves obey him? I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I don't know if you feel the Holy Spirit like I feel the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about the authority of Jesus. As soon as they get to the other side of the lake, they arrive on the other side of the country of the Gadarenes, and there they encounter two demon-possessed men. 
These men confront Jesus and the disciples as they were coming out of their tombs. And the Bible talks about how they were so extremely violent that no one could ever pass that way. No one would even dare go to that side of the country. But when you possess God authority, there ain't no devil in hell going to keep you from getting to where you need to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when they showed up, the demons cried out saying, what, what authority do you have? What, what business do you have with the son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And now there was a herd of many pigs feeding at a distance from them. And the demons begged Jesus saying, if you're going to cast us out, at least put us into the herd of pigs. And watch what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, go. I'm telling you right here, right now, somebody ought to name a church, go church. I'm just going to say that, all right? And he says, go. And they came out. They went into the pigs and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and they drowned in the waters. I don't have time to preach what I want to preach because of time, but watch this. I've learned in this verse that the devil can't swim. The devil can't swim. The Bible says those demons went into the pigs. The pigs went off the cliff into the water and every single one of them drowned. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you, are you going to help me preach today? I'm going to stand up here. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, there is living water on the inside of you and no devil in hell can overtake you. And watch this. And the herdsmen, the people that were watching, they ran away. They went into the city. They reported everything that they had seen, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Let me recap. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 7, it closes with the people being amazed at the authority that Jesus taught with. Matthew 8, Jesus put his authority on display. And here's what we learn. That sickness has to bow to the authority of Jesus. That disease must bow because of the authority of Jesus. That winds and waves must bow at the authority of Jesus. That devils and demons must obey Jesus because of his authority. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that was thousands of years ago. And this is just a historical conversation. Incorrect. Right here on August the 29th of 2021, because of the authority of Jesus, COVID must obey his authority. Cancer must obey his authority. Hurricane Ida must obey his authority. The Taliban must obey the authority of Jesus. Come on and put your hands together. There is power in the authority of God. Woo, I feel like preaching today. There is power in the authority of Jesus. If you look at the entire life and the entire ministry of Jesus, you could define his purpose by one word, authority. Jesus came to take back the authority that the devil stole. What are you talking about, pastor? Let me tell you, in Genesis, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve and he gave them dominion over the earth. He gave Adam and Eve authority he gave them the keys to the kingdom. He gave them the keys to the car and said, drive, baby. Enjoy everything. You get paradise. Just don't touch that tree. But they fell into the trap of the enemy. The sneaky, slimy, stupid serpent. Is that all right to say today? Because that's how I feel. Right? He creeps in his head and begins to challenge the word of God. And he says to Adam and Eve, did God really say? 
confusion and disbelief set in. They ate from that tree and immediately, what? Immediately they lost authority. Then you go to the book of John, chapter 3, verse number 16. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sin-free, sinless life. He was crucified on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. And the Bible says that for three days, you know what happened? During the three days of the death of Jesus, he went to the pit of hell and he fought the enemy. He fought the enemy. What was he fighting the enemy for? Revelation 1.8 tells us that he took back the keys. Woo! He took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We lost authority. So God said, I'm going to fix this. I'll send a second Adam to take back the keys, to take back the authority. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he became a thorn in the flesh of the religious people. They didn't like him. They hated him. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority. I'm telling you, God gave me this word. Are we okay today? Everybody good? God gave him authority in Jesus. His claim was what? I am who I am. I am the Messiah. Well, the religious leaders, the scribes couldn't comprehend that his authority would outweigh their authority. They lost some clout in their, you know, credentialing. Here's a guy that's not even credentialed to be a pastor. And he says that he's the Messiah, but watch this. His claims that he was the Messiah meant that his authority outweighed everybody else's authority. And the religious people couldn't take it. They hated Jesus. They despised Jesus. So what did they do? Well, they got together. They made a plan. They had him arrested. What did they arrest him for? Hypocrisy. He's preaching as one who has authority, but he, he doesn't have authority. We have authority, so they have him arrested. And then they set up this trial, this nonsense of a trial, this unfair trial that was only going to lead to the ultimate death sentence for Jesus. And so he's sentenced to death, and a few days later, they, they put him on a cross, and they beat him. They nail his hands and they nail his feet and they mock him as king of the Jews. You think you're a king with authority? Where's your authority now? Come down from that, from that cross. Watch this. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit gave me. In the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached, the people were amazed at his authority. Now fast forward to the very last week of his ministry. Fast forward to the final few days of his life. If you've got your Bible, go to Mark chapter 11. Watch this. In Mark chapter 11, uh, Christians in 2021 consider that week, the last week of Jesus, as holy week. And the conversation in Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse number 27, is on Tuesday of holy week. On Friday, Jesus is going to be crucified. On Tuesday, what do they do? The religious leaders, they question his authority. The Bible says they arrived again in Jerusalem, beginning in verse 27. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, all the religious folk, all the the credentialed pastors, they cornered Jesus. And this is what they asked him. In the final 72 hours of his life, watch, they said, by what authority? Tell us, by what authority are you doing all these things? 
by what authority are you preaching and by what authority are you raising up sick people from the dead and restoring eyesight to those who are blind and casting out devils from those who have been possessed what authority are you doing these things and and who gave you that authority and you know sometimes the response of Jesus is just like gotcha and Jesus replied and he says what he says I'll I'll ask you one question And if you answer this one question, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. He says, let's talk about John's baptism for a moment. He says, was John's baptism, was that from heaven or was that done by human hands? Well, now the religious leaders pause because they see that Jesus has actually trapped them. They huddle up and they start to have a conversation and they discuss among themselves and they say, oh, Lord, are we in trouble now? Because if we say it's from heaven, then Jesus will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say, well, this is done by human hands, well, we've got to fear the people because the people held that John really was a prophet. So verse 33, so they answered Jesus. Well, we don't know. Not sure. And Jesus says, then I ain't going to tell you nothing about my authority and why I'm doing these things. Don't you see this? And they couldn't take it. So they killed him. They took the response of Jesus and they said, if you don't tell us what authority you're doing this in and who it comes from, you will die. And Jesus says, I don't owe you any response. Do you see, do you see the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached? The people were amazed at his authority. You get to the last week of the life of Jesus and they crucify him because of his authority. Are, are you tracking with me? If you are, say, I am. So then they kill him put him on a cross, put his lifeless body in a tomb, but up from the grave, come on church, three days later, the Bible says that he arose. And here's the good news. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and for me. Come on, that'll preach right there. Jesus, all of a sudden, he's, he's now resurrected. He's resurrected from the dead in his glorified body. And for 40 days during his resurrection, He walks amongst the crowds of people. He performs miracle signs and wonders. At one dinner party, Jesus just walked right through the wall, making appearances to people and proving that he is not dead, but he is alive and alive forevermore. And watch this. And then he has one more conversation with his disciples. He has one more moment with his disciples before he's going to ascend to heaven, which is where Jesus is today. He's ascended to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God, his father, and he's making intercession for me and you. Jesus is praying for you today. But before Jesus left this earth, watch what happens in Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says that he took the 11 disciples. There were 12. Judas Iscariot hung himself. Now there's 11 disciples. And he says, you know what? It started on a mountain. Let's go back to the mountain. He goes up to the mountain and watched, and he told them to go. And this is what he said, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some even doubted. And in verse number 18, in his last words, before he ascends to heaven, where where Jesus will remain until his inevitable return, his second coming, what does he say? He could have talked about anything. He could have talked about family, marriage, 
money, you name it. But he says, I want to talk to you about authority. And he says, all, shout it on three, one, two, three, authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. If you've ever wondered why we call our church Go Church, we'd love to tell you more about that in Move Track. That's actually happening today after all of our gatherings at both campuses. But watch this. This is where we get our name Go Church. Jesus, watch. Jesus, in his first sermon, they're amazed by his authority. Then in the final week of his life, they kill him because of his authority. And then in his last few words before he ascends to heaven, he talks about his authority and how God has given all authority to him under heaven and earth. And then what does he do? He says, now I'm going to give you the authority again. It was stolen in the garden. I took it from Satan in the depths of hell. And now before I leave, I'm going to give you authority one more time. And as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, you and I possess the authority of God, the right to God, the ability to rebuke and devour and defeat the enemy. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well. Come on. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the ends of the age. Let me tell you, there's a word here, a Greek word here that you have to know that emphasizes everything I'm trying to teach you this morning. It's the word, write this down, the word exousia. Exousia. Even when you say it, I feel, I feel more authoritative. Exousia. And it means the power of authority or influence and a right of privilege. There's another location here in the book of John that emphasizes exousia, that Jesus being given authority from his father in heaven is now giving you and I authority as sons and daughters. It's John 14, 12. It's the emphasis of exousia. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do what? Then why aren't we seeing even greater things? Why aren't we seeing miracle signs and wonders? I'm not condemning anybody. My, my worry level and anxiety level has been higher in the last 18 months than ever before. But if I am in Christ Jesus, I've got the authority. Satan can't beat me. The devil can't defeat me. I've got keys. Is anybody hearing what I'm trying to say? I want to see even greater things. And Jesus says, you'll do even greater things if you accept my authority. He says, because look, I'm out of here. I'm going to the Father, and I'll give you a, a comforter, a counselor, the Holy Spirit, an advocate, a paraclete that will equip you and empower you so that you have the authority. The authority. What does all of this mean for us? I hope this verse makes sense in the context of our whole conversation, and which, by the way, I'm almost done. I'll show you a few things, and I'll pray for you, but watch this. In Galatians 4, 5, the Bible says this, 4, verses 4 and 5, when the set time had fully come, what did God do? He sent his son. Jesus was born of a woman. He came born under the law. And why did he come? He came to take authority. Uh, you can't redeem something unless you have the authority to redeem it. Uh, you, can't, you can't buy something back unless you've been given the authority to purchase it. 
And God sent Jesus with authority to redeem those under the law that we might receive what? Adoption to sonship. Uh, let, me, let me unpack that the way that it makes sense in my brain. My two kids, Lakeland and London, have access and authority that you don't have if you're not my child. They get things and they have the right to things that you don't get if you don't have my DNA, if you don't have my last name. Uh, let me give you some practical stuff. You ready? Here's just a few thoughts. They get to, to live in my house. It's my house. Come on, parents, help me out for a moment. They get to sleep in my bed. They get to eat my food. They get to swim in my pool. It ain't theirs. They don't pay for nothing, y'all. Come on, parents. You hear what I'm saying, grandparents? Okay? But they have access. They have authority to all of those things. Why? Because they've been accepted into the family. If you show up at my house, you, and I love you, but if you show up at my house uninvited and you swim in my pool and you sleep in my bed and you eat my food, you will meet the authorities. I'm just saying that real quick. Come on, somebody. Why? Because you don't have access. You don't have authority. But when you say yes to Jesus, oh, help us, Lord. When you say yes to Jesus, you now have been received into adoption and you become sons and you become daughters. And he says, now I equip you with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a supernatural authority. I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of you have been through hell. You've been through storms, you've been through junk and it's not getting any better. Let me tell you, walk in your authority. Stand firm in your authority. Claim your authority. Own the right to your authority. You tell the devil, you shall not pass according to the authority of the name of Jesus and the authority of the word of God. Watch this. If you are a son of God, a daughter of God, as a believer, you possess authority. What do you possess authority to? You possess authority to pray. Don't listen to me. Help me, Lord. I'm not frustrated, but, but don't just, oh, well, it's just prayer. No. The Bible says that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but they are mighty to pull down strongholds. Our access to pray gives us the authority. Come on. To pray. To pray to a God that's heard every prayer. He's seen every tear. John 15, 7 talks about that if you abide in me and I abide in you, if you ask anything in my name, why? Because he's giving us his authority. We have the authority to preach the word of God. Our world now more than ever needs the gospel. Come on. Come on, are you helping me today? It needs the gospel, the truth of God's word because it is the truth that will set them free. Titus 2, 15 says, I have given you all authority to preach and to teach. That's how I can stand up here week in and week out and preach because I'm preaching not on the authority of JC, but on the authority of the JC. Y'all not gonna help me today and that's all right. Oh, as a believer, you get the authority to rebuke sickness. 
Luke 9 verse number 1 talks about that you can take authority and you can cast out devils and you can speak and rebuke against sickness. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate the challenges of the last few weeks in my home, but there were moments that I took anointing oil and I went to my wife and I went to my children and I said in the authority of the name of Jesus, in the authority of God's holy word, COVID has to leave, sickness has to leave, fever has to leave, cancer has to leave, diabetes has to leave migraine headaches has to leave whatever the disease is has to bow Woo! has to bow to the authority of the name of Jesus let me tell you you lock me up for three weeks this is the kind of preaching you gonna get hear me out some of you're like lock them up more Lord now you get the authority to defeat Satan Oh, man, let me, you don't even want to know the conversations I had with the enemy this week. They weren't godly, but they were powerful. The devil can't touch me. The devil can't touch you. Luke 10, 19 talks about, I want you to read these verses later. God says, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and snakes and to overcome all the power of the enemy. I don't know what the enemy has tried to attack in your home, in your marriage, your job, your health, your business, your children, you fill in the blank. But today, if you understand that you possess authority, you stand your ground and you tell the enemy, the Bible says in James 4, 7, that if you resist the enemy, he shall flee from you, that you've got keys that give you access to the authority of God and you can tell the enemy enemy you've got to go enemy you must flee you will not pass these lines and you've got the authority to use the Word of God God's Word let me tell you this listen to me the Word of God is the most most authoritative tool that you and I have in the middle of whatever it is you're walking through listen to me sons Daughters, you have the authority of Scripture to stand on the Word of God. Listen to me. You need to pray the Scripture. You need to sing the Scripture. You need to quote the Scripture. You need to hide God's Word in your heart so that you might not sin against Him. Don't, 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 just, don't just treat God's Word as some ordinary book. It is life. It is fresh manna. It is food to our soul. It is wind to our sails. And when the enemy comes in, watch. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's got a lot of roar, but he's got no bite. Come on now. You can stand on the word of God declaring that there will be salvation. There will be deliverance. There will be reconciliation. There will be healing. There will be restoration. Whatever it is that you need, you have the authority through the word of God to stand firm on God's promises because all of God's promises are both what? Yes and amen. Come on and give Jesus the highest praise. Come on. Come on, church. You have the authority. You have the authority. Listen to me. I get it. There are times that people say, I, I need the pastor. I want to talk to the pastor. I need a call from the pastor. I need a prayer from the pastor. I understand that because we don't want to go through life alone and we want to know that people are there and we're here. We're available. But listen to me. And I'm going to jack up some of your theology. 
But just because I'm credentialed as a minister of the word doesn't mean I've got more authority than you have. If I'm a son and you're a son, if you're a daughter in the Lord, you have the same amount of authority. You can lay hands on your children. You can lay hands on your marriage. You can lay hands on your money. I'll do it for you, but it doesn't mean it's going to have any more power or authority. God's given you the keys. He's given you the keys. So I declare in the authority of the name of Jesus and the word of God, today you walk in a holy boldness. Today you walk up, not with your head hung in defeat, but with your shoulders bowed just a little bit, with your head held up high because that's where your help comes from. And you walk back into whatever storm, you walk back into whatever challenge, you walk back into whatever situation, and you take authority over it. And the enemy must bow to the authority of Jesus. Come on one more time. Come on. All right. always close with a question. Here it is. Are you exercising the authority? You possess it. If you've said yes to Jesus, you've got the authority. So are you exercising it? Or are you letting the devil have a heyday in your body, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your money? You fill in the blank. This is what I told the devil about midweek. Not today, Satan. Not today. Not today. When I called 911 because my wife had hit rock bottom with this virus, I thank God for those paramedics that showed up. They were the most kind, caring, sensitive gentlemen that took care of her. But there was something that I could do that they couldn't do. And that was take authority over my home, over my wife, and over that disease. And as soon as they left, I ran and I got the anointing oil. I put a big cross on her forehead and I said in the authority of the name of Jesus, this thing's about to turn around. Come on. This thing's turning around. I declare COVID done in the name of Jesus. All right, let me pray for you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you've not said yes to Jesus, you don't get the authority. Hear that. If you've not repented of your sins and invited Christ into your heart, you've not been received into the adoption of sonship. So you don't have access. You don't have privilege. You don't have authority. If you want that kind of authority, and I'm not talking about arrogance, I'm talking about a holy courage. If you want that, it all starts with saying yes to Jesus. It starts there. And the moment that you say yes, watch this. He gives you authority. Every head bowed, every eye closed, Germantown online at our South Metro Atlanta campus as well. Come on, nobody looking. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to be forgiven of your sin so that your name can be written in the book of life and you're ready to receive the authority that comes from that relationship, I'm counting to three, hands goes up. Ready, one, two, three. Come on, hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the back, my left, I see you. Ma'am, thank you. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. All the way in the back, as far as I can go, very last row, sir, I see your hand. Thank you, right here in the middle. Thank you for your hand. I see that hand. Come on, Germantown as well. Come on, put your hands up. Anybody else? 
Father, I thank you for every hand that was lifted, signifying that they want to be accepted and received into the family of God. Forgive us of our sins. Thank you, ma'am. Forgive us of our sins. Make us a new creation and give us the authority, the authority in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, for those that are in relationship with you, may they understand the position of their relationship with you and the rights that you give and the privilege that you give. And may we walk in that authority. Satan, you have no stronghold. Devil, you have no power. All power, all authority has been given to Jesus Christ through God the Father. And he's passed that authority on to us. So Satan, we're not scared. We're not afraid. We're not anxious. Now we're dangerous. So watch out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on and put your hands together. Give Jesus the highest praise. Come on.